0: Conjugal Visits. This show may contain language and material material that may not be suitable suitable for all audiences. audiences. Some of the content is likely to inspire you. All characters depicted are fictional. Clearly no one has this kind of life. Time is more valuable than money. Thanks for taking the time to listen. Crime
1: Time.
2: It was the third week of March, the year 2016. Approximately 10.31 Central Time. Debtor walked out of the restaurant with an entourage of felony-drenched criminals, completely unaware of what lay ahead. His mediocre meal, which he neither paid nor tipped for, was sitting in his belly like a stone. That's when Vance and his flagrant comrade Doc started to speak. What they were doing wasn't a crime. No, folks. It was crime time.
0: <laughs> okay, anyway, we just got done eating at uh, Luigi's, Luigi. we're in what, Akron? Akron, Ohio. Yeah, we're just road tripping yeah. and uh, passing through. Uh, taking at, our groundhogs. At yeah. chance, we saw him, oh, tell us about the groundhog you hit <laughs>
1: yeah. on your motorcycle. You um, <laughs> said it was quote-unquote quite humbling. <laughs> <laughs> took that fucker out at about 110 miles an hour what decapitated him A groundhog, just came skirting across the highway, he took yeah. out the bottom <laughs> fairings of my fucking CBR. But, dude, uh, I mean, you're, you're lucky to be alive, right? I mean, that could have wiped you out. I saw him look at me, and I thought, don't do it. About 110 miles an hour, and that fucker turned right around and ran right into my front tire. <laughs> and I, I saw it coming, but at that speed, there was no slowing down. There was no, like, I wasn't going to juke around him. God, that's impossible. I would have hit the deck. So,
2: Yeah,
0: you learn early on when you're in motion, motorcycle, car, whatever. If it's an animal, you got to put Going my head deer. down and gas on 650 it. 650 miles in one day. Unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, how was your meal, by the way? That was pretty good. Uh, Jessica seemed to take pretty good care of you. She ignored <laughs> the rest of us. <laughs> so, she was cool, right? Uh, yeah. yeah. She's like, sir, can I get you more bread? And I'm like, sure. And she never brought more bread. Then you said, I'll get a couple pieces. And she brought you your own plate, so it must be a twinkle <laughs> in your eye or a glimmer of in your probably teeth twink, or twinkle something. twinkle in my teeth. <laughs> so, Oh, good. Good. So uh, you started
1: painting, what, in the 90s? 92, I started writing. Holy shit. I mean, if you want to count, consider writing. I joined my first crew. We made our first crew in 92 and uh, did some really bad graffiti. A handful of writers before me, um, I'd say I was probably like the third generation of writers to come out of Portland. My friends, I, I rolled it back in the day, were like Metro and Zoom and Boar and Spoil. Uh, you notice a lot
0: of people get into the graph game and disappear, or, you know, like a Houdini magic trick. Uh-huh. Kind of like you did with that girl you used to care about for two hours. <laughs> is why you're still into this? Because you're, like, driven? Well, or, or is it something your parents raised you? Is it?
1: Yeah. I don't know that I really actually feel like I'm still involved in it so much. Uh, I've kind of backed out uh, for legal reasons, you'll know, fuck the police. And anybody who wants to call the police, eat a dick.
0: Right. There's a lot of downs, not just in graph but in life. It's a lot of like sucker punches.
1: What are the ups? I mean, there's a lot of traveling involved. You can see the see the country, meet good people, meet shitty people as well. Luigi's uh, <laughs> you, you grow as a person. I wouldn't be who I am if I didn't go through the bullshit I've went through. So it's kind of like a forced almost a college of life kind of absolutely let's just say you would never picked
0: up an aerosol can besides an aquanet yeah, to fix you your hair uh, i've
1: been into bicycle riding my whole life um ridden across the country done major trips but i don't know what the fuck i would do because i'm not a mechanic pretty fast on that bike uh yeah i'm in sport bike riding now but you know that's in the last 10 years i guess and that you ever had it any close calls on that? Crashed over the hood of a cop car in L.A. Is that your fault or theirs? Yeah, a little of both. A little both. I got up, picked <laughs> that bitch up, and goosed it. I was out. You're a sick human. <laughs> you know that? But I got into sport bike riding for graffiti. I came out to New York for my boy's wedding. Uh, he was riding sport bikes, and uh, I was living in L.A., and I realized the city's too big. I can't even do what I want to do here on a bicycle. I can do other places. Took me out, showed me how to ride. I went back to L. A. Got a new bike. Oh, well, that ended up in felony charges and uh, basically the end of L. A. Before
0: we go on with this interview, if anyone doesn't know this sick human, if you've watched 007, that's this asshole. Like he doesn't know what's gonna happen in the next fifty seconds. And the Punisher
2: wrapped up in. Oh yeah. Yeah.
0: So I'm just glad my girlfriend never
1: met him. If you could hit the reset button, what would you do different? I have no regrets. I guess at this point, I know I fucked my life up through graffiti. But I don't regret it. It made me who I am. I mean, some people spent 50, 60 grand to go to college. It seemed like you
0: spent I spent 50, that, and 60 th- in the courts to, before to,
1: I realized I ain't going back to court again. There you go.
0: Let's just say I'm a young weasel. Say I'm 25, 6, whatever. What advice? I mean, obviously you have made some interesting um, life choices. Your life wasn't an easy life to take. Most people couldn't hack
1: the shit you've been through.
0: You really don't want to like send people down the path you're on.
1: No, absolutely not. No, yeah.
0: If you had kids, would you want them to do what you did? What would you want them to do with your life if you had a couple of rats? little credent cry baby little rats taking milk from your teeth. <laughs> taking your milk bladder yeah, and destroying I'm... it oh, Jesus just heel stomping it. it looks like a moccasin filled up with water just leaking <laughs> fucking little Indian thing cut thing him off to... cut him
1: off <laughs> if, uh, sorry bro if I, I while. I don't think I'd uh, teach him to paint you know I'd, I'd probably teach him to paint with brushes mm. I'd get him into bicycling I'd get him into motorcycle riding uh, But it definitely wouldn't lead him down the path of um, painting walls, trains, freeways, like that was me, you know? Because, yeah, you got to be ready for this, and you can't be ready for it. There's no way to get ready for this.
0: Give your presents you got for Christmas to, like, a neighbor kid you felt bad for. That was a fat pile of animal trash. You said, here, have my bike. You fucking weasel, and you punched him as you gave him the bike. No. Oh. <laughs> no Did never, you have I'm, a paper route when you were a kid? I mean, no. Uh, yeah. What was your first fucking job? Did you work uh, at job Robbins, I worked or? at Baskin Robbins?
1: Pretty close. Dairy Queen. Really? Oh Thank yeah. You. Yeah. Uh,
0: Did you manhandle up. one of the coworkers? Yeah. I just got to ask that, and I won't bring it up again.
1: No, nah, but I made a fucking badass parfait. Fuck <laughs> with <laughs> the parfaits. it's good. All right.
0: Hey, let's get back into the graph for a minute. I was sure talking about milk bladders, and I lost control of my bladder. Let me shake it out. There you um, go. But. So graph-wise, uh, you traveled
1: heavily, destroyed freights, uh, you pushed some styles. Uh, you can't tell me what to do because I'm going to do the opposite. Even through my boys, they would tell me to slow your pieces down, man, go go smaller. Everybody's pieces look the same on the wall, and I'm not trying to not make that happen, but I'm trying to do me. Come on, pop the trunk. Sorry, bro. Oh yeah. Get anything to do. Oh, you need to load your clothes up, too. Yeah, I got to pack and stuff. Yeah, we can do that in a minute. As long as we
0: kind of get yeah. an idea. Okay, we'll go over here on the front. By the front, open the door.
1: Um. So, so tell me about Boar. That's my brother. He was my fucking my partner. Uh, everything in life that I did as a writer was with him. I was always with Boar. As a kid, going through this shit and graffiti. You know, we had each other's back. I've never had somebody have my back like he had my back on everything. I've never learned something so thoroughly and. Uh, progressed with somebody like i did before in 2004 he was hit by a car uh, hit and an accident he died and at that point in graffiti when i lost him was something i lost something in graffiti uh it never was the same kept doing it i mean i could go on and on and on for days about memories and about what he what kind of person he was and it just comes down to it like um we learned everything that we knew about graffiti together. And it wasn't through magazines or movies. It was through us in, in the street at night, running from the cops, going to court and dealing with that shit, duking it out with other people and traveling together on Greyhound and getting fucked up and wasted. And I lost him. Sorry about your loss, man. It seemed like, like, it's, like I mean, it really it don't, it, had an effect on you. It absolutely did. But it, that's also part of my growing is I learned that's for life, uh, we all go. But at that up till that point, really still was a kid, I guess, and felt like we're immortal. And that was the real fucking realization that uh, it was, we're not. And this shit, just like everything ends. So it was a major hit to uh, me personally, but what I felt we were with Graffiti half of it was gone. At the same time, I continued and I also felt like I needed to c- continue for him, in a sense, to keep him out there, which was also working against me, looking back now, because uh, I began doing it for the wrong reasons. Not for myself, but for, for what I thought that we had built together for the crew and for, for his memory. And, and Is there one thing that really embodied well, an evening with you guys one night? We, um, we're painting daytime phrase, and uh, that's weird. Out in front. <laughs> <laughs> out in, uh, I didn't even out in Troutdale, Oregon, we're painting tra- day- daytime phrase. Nobody and, does that now. And uh, I step back to look at this uh, whack-ass character I'm doing. He's doing his name. And I realize on the other side of the boss car underneath, I see two blue slacked legs. And what appears to be, oh, fuck, a radio. And I stepped back up on tracks and I said, run! And I took right and he took left and we bolted. Somehow, we crossed paths in sticker bushes and we made our way out of the layup. Uh, Made it home that night. We left everything in the yard, beer cans, uh, unopened beers. We left our cameras, backpacks, paint. Unfortunately, I left my house keys in my backpack. Later that night, his parents get a call from the police and we found, they found, uh... Travis's car and they called his parents. So, his parents called Travis and uh, they said, uh, The police found your car. And Travis says, Oh, fucking awesome. It was stolen. (laughs) So, he began playing the role like the car was stolen. Um, The cops then came to my house with my house keys and knocked on the door. And my dad says, Hello. They said, We'd like to try these keys on your door. It sure fucking knows. It looks like they fit. So, police now think, or it looks like I stole Travis's car and uh, I'm the one down there doing the graffiti. We go to court for about a year, back and forth, back and forth, going through it. We're not, we're not admitting to shit. And finally, we take a plea. It's just going on and on and on, and that's community service and fines. Um, just some bullshit. But being dumbass young kids, we figure, right, can we get our photos back? Can we get our, our backpacks with our cameras and shit? And our attorney's like, yeah, yeah, go. I'll set up a date go down to the Union Pacific yard and uh, talk to them, they'll, they'll release your property. So so me and Boar have you as hell, and we jump in the whip, and we head down to Union Pacific yard, and we, we pull up in the yard and uh, in the parking lot and say, hey, we're looking for uh, Officer So-and-so, and he says, this guy in a black uniform with silver badges and carrying a shotgun, actually, if I remember correctly. We walked right up to him. We, we felt like we were the shit, because... We we're coming to get our shit from them. So he says, "Yeah, follow me. I'll take you to the office." And we go in the office, and it's like a trailer. And uh, he opens a door, and it's like a like a shitty mobile home type trailer in the yard. He opens another door, and it says, "Stand in here." And as he opens that door, I step in. As I open the door, I see this big long meeting table and there's like 10 Union Pacific rail cops all sitting at this desk or this big table having a meeting. And at the head of the table is one dude. And he says, can I help you? And I said, yeah, my name's uh, Travis and I'm here to pick up some property and he goes, Travis Wallander, why don't you have a seat? I'll talk to you in a minute. And all, every single one of those uh, cops turned their head and looked at us, and he says, have a seat out there. So they shut the door and expected me and me and Bora to sit down. But well, we jumped back in that whip <laughs> so fucking quick, we were out there, they did keep those goddamn cameras. What but- possessed you to go back, though. You really thought you could We were young, those? yeah, we wanted our photos of our, pe- of our trains. We figured we uh, did them. We went... You had two aliens. I, I also write vicious. Dare you. <laughs> These were dead Phrase back in the day. I liked some flat cars, you know. Short. What about races. flat girls, though? I've had a few of those. He really does. He has a leather room. Come
0: on. Would change the whole night. No. I swear. As you pack your bag, I'm going to unload mine. <laughs> 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 Dude, this has to go in there. So, hey, well, you
1: got the girl of your dreams, right? Okay, what the fuck else is good for debtor? I mean, what? The- yeah, what is next? Well, you know what's next? I got to get some new fucking fairings because that goddamn fucking groundhog. What do you want to do? I mean... I want to go swimming, man. It's been so long since I went swimming. Yeah, that's real shit right there. Do you know the difference between a goal and a dream? (laughs) A
0: goal has a deadline. Uh, Give me a goal, dude.
1: Girl I'm with now, I definitely want to have children with her. i never felt like I want to get married. I do. Things are changing, you know what I mean? Like, I would like to paint more than I do. And I did break my glass eye in there. Have you ever heard of a guy
0: named Harley uh, Warwick? Painted those mail pouch... Oh. Uh, tobacco signs? Absolutely. I know
1: about those male power signs. There was one out here. We wanted to see it. I've seen shit out in New York, for sure. Right by Jet's house. So
0: I've noticed, predominantly, most of your career was hardcore bombing. In fact, I was out in Portland and saw this H.O.D., like, on a ledge at least had a few hundred foot drop. So how do you feel doing something legal? I mean, is it fun or is it boring? Or
1: I've been pretty well-rounded with it. I've done legal, I've done illegal. You know, it's time and place. And if you're doing illegal, at least for me, I want my friends around, I want us to have fun and uh, make a day of it. Illegal now, uh, it's uh, let's make 10 minutes of it and let's make it a really, really dope spot. Let's fucking video that shit from a drone and shit. Like, right. let's get with it, you know? Let's go big make it quick as far as legal goes more stress doing that spending the day out at a legal wall cop just waiting for the fucking police to come up trying to identify everybody because they got nothing better to do and that could end up bad you know what i mean i'd rather just fucking get with my boy organize uh a time and place get some radios together have some motherfucking lookouts and let's hit the freeway real quick do something big and go home and and uh, feel like badasses, really. That's the fun shit to me. I love it all, and I always have. How did Graf topple? What happened? I remember going down to the tunnels in Portland as a kid and being like just mind blown at like cleanliness and consistency and line work and flow, and, and now it's just garbage. Just like nobody's got it. Nobody cares. Nobody studies. Nobody thinks for themselves. I think people. Across the board, whether you're in a graph or not, people need to start thinking more for themselves because everybody's just on a fucking autopilot and doing what they see done. And uh, whether it's graffiti or, or, or riding a bike, you can have style, but you got to think for your fucking self. And until you do, you look like a buster. It,
0: it seemed like back in the day, graph kind of self-policed. If you were a toy, you got painted over. If you were a biter, you got crossed out. And it seems like all those things now are actually openly accepted Uh, in where there
1: was just, there was too many wolves, not enough sheep, and only one shepherd. I come from a generation, I feel like, uh, more aggressive people nowadays. I feel like younger people around me are soft. I see a lot of like, everybody wants to be happy and compliment everybody on everything, but, reality let's let's face the facts like people need to fucking say what it is whether it's good or bad and work from there but there's just a bunch of bat packing Going on, it's just not some bullshit, man. Let's just say what it is. If you're good, you're good. If you're not, you're not. If you're not, work on it. Otherwise, don't put it in my face. We don't need to talk about it then. If you want my motherfucking opinion on shit that sucks, I'm gonna tell you.
0: People don't like guys like you though. Well, you're God goddamn real. right they don't. These yeah, and I see. It. Remember, I told you you make me sick, and I said sorry. Now I mean it again. <laughs> well, was one a piecing game and one a bombing? That's exactly
1: game? what it was. Yeah. It turned into in Atlanta, so uh, I started piecing with vicious, or doing freights, or, or walls and debtor was bombing. That left a mark on me. I tried to wash, showered twice. It wouldn't get off. (laughs) Shout out to Um, the giver. What's up to all the HODs and my KOGs out in LA. Uh, Love you mom, my brother Gary, my dad Jim. Love you guys. It was nice meeting you. And, Absolutely. Yeah, I uh, yeah, had a
0: great day. I, I feel bad in advance if we cross paths again.
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh, we definitely will. Oh, man. we will.
0: Absolutely. Don't forget your gear. We got your bag. We even got the your net. net. Oh, in the net. net. Yeah,
1: yeah, the yeah. net and
0: shit. I wear Jinkos but everyone thinks, you know, that they're Wranglers. You know what I mean?
2: <laughs>
0: plug, yeah. yeah. My favorite history uh, war- battle is the Battle of the Bulge. You know what I'm saying?
1: Well, I deal with that every yeah, yeah. day.
0: Okay. Even when, uh, you know, Deader's hands are at his side, he's still pointing at you. <laughs> it's high noon every time I see him. <laughs> Shout out to oh.
1: Allie. Happy birthday, Allie. I'm sorry I'm so Happy B-Day, Allie.
0: Happy B-Day, Allie. Happy birthday. Yeah. Coming
1: home. He's, we're, we're letting him go now. I'm, he- I'm heading to the farm. Sorry, girl.
0: Yeah. Hey, let me get these zip ties off you. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: Stay up, bro. Be safe no, on that bike, alright? Thanks, thanks, have a day. Hell yeah. yeah. Nice to meet you, man. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Nice to meet you, man. For sure. You know, if Ali doesn't get him, I bet you that goddamn bike will.
2: Oh, look out, guys. He's coming back. Oh, oh. Fortunately deader aka vicious made it three hours south his woman had a warm meal waiting for his cold heart His brain was scrambled dwelling on his earlier loitering exploits his exhausted frame drifted off into the evening hours He awoke in a panic clenching his cell phone He finds Vance number only to find a voicemail in the labyrinth of his depraved weekend
1: Come on man, forget the phone your call has been
0: forwarded to an automatic voice message system. Uh, Vance here, but, uh, I'm not here, so leave a
1: message. Hey, what up? Vance, it's Dadder. Um, just wanted to know I made it to Allie's.
0: Long First time. unheard message sent yesterday at 7.15 p.m.
2: Yo, Vance, it's Bozo. You can get on a road trip. We're be heading that way. Let I me mean, know when to get this.
0: Message deleted. Uh, hi Vance, this is Karen. I haven't heard from you since we had that special night together. Give me
1: message deleted. Hey, what up, Vance? Is better. Just wanted to know I made it to Allie's. Long ride. Got hit by some rainstorm. I'm safe. No groundhogs. No police. Hey, I also wanted to let you know. Uh, sorry, I almost clipped Doc. Man, safety's my number one priority. But uh, you know, sometimes that flies out the window. Anyway, just let him know, my bad. The, the interview was good, man, but I felt like I got, you know, 24 years of this shit locked up inside me, and uh, I just wanted to get it off my chest. Uh, I don't care if you use it in the interview or not, but, you know, I got a lot to say and didn't really get it all out. Anyway, maybe just close your eyes, you know, follow along. Listen to my story. I'm going to take you on a ride. There was this guy, Yuck, and this guy, Dutter they were two cold, young individuals, hot streets of Atlanta. One night they were drinking in a bar known as Dottie's. All night, get up. Where all the kids were swinging, drinking, having fun. Five nights a week they were drinking in that motherfucker. One night they went out, blacked the fuck out about 4 a.m., hit the streets on their bikes. Cold-ass night. It was warm in their fucking bellies been drinking and drinking and drinking. They got on their bikes as they did many other nights and they rode the streets fogged over looking for a spot to paint. Slamming head on into telephone poles and riding into ditches before they realized we could paint that freeway sign right by the crib. So they went back. They shimmied out. They shimmied out. They found themselves at a ladder and they crawled down and in a matter of seconds they busted five colored pieces on the front of this green sign in downtown Atlanta. They realized they'd been out there for about three four minutes. It was time to go. So they jumped on their bikes, and they thought, this is too good, we need to see this. Those two idiots. Rode their bikes up the freeway off-ramp, where they could see from a highway bridge on the off-ramp the pieces they had just finished. At that very moment, Three Atlanta police cars pulled up underneath them on the freeway, throwing their spotlights on the freeway sign. If those three cops had gotten off that exit, they would have caught better. But they saw them, and they rode their bikes as fast as they could back to their apartment, where they jumped out on Ralph McGill and almost were hit by another Atlanta cop rushing to the crime scene. Those fucking idiots got away with it. Got up, took the photo. up. There was a lot of cars parked on the freeway that morning in front of it, but it's figured it was for rush hour. Jumped the fence, got the photo, jumped back on the bike, quickly ran to work. Sat at my back door for work for about five hours. I don't even know why I fucking sat that long. thought I'd get fired if I wasn't there. It was before, like, cell phone. And I sat there at the back door for, like, five hours, and I guess at about noon... My manager showed up and I was like, What the fuck? What happened? And he said, The freeway's been closed down all day. They've been painting over graffiti that was done on the freeway sign last night. And I was like, What? Yeah, it's been on the radio since like 6 o'clock this morning. They've been like, uh, Looking for the taggers and uh, closed the freeways down. Slowed them way down to cleaning that off. And uh, sure enough, we got on the radio and we got in the shop finally. They had 15-minute updates on the worst traffic jam Atlanta had seen in 25 years, and they were updating the buffing of it. I got the, the story from the Atlanta General Constitution. I continuously listened to the updates on the radio that morning, and they were buffing it, buffing it, buffing it, buffing it. Finally, the traffic let up at like 2 in the afternoon, only to get hit with evening rush hour, you know? That's the downtown connection telling you where to go. We fucked up a good sign that told <laughs> tourists where to go, I guess. I don't know. And Toronto, Oregon, essentially grew up just outside of Portland. It's cool to like a small, big city. You know what I mean? Like, uh, everybody kind of knew everybody in the circle. Uh, it was a beautiful place to grow up. And we just, you know, started our crew, Ace Crew. And then from there, it took off. Uh, we started out riding. You know, my boys, everybody was starting crews at that time. My boy, Joe. Joe Bogart wanted to start a crew. I said, "Started tagging on windows in like the, the fog and the cars in the parking lot." That's what we did. That's how it started for me. Just this false idea of what a crew would be. That, that was escalated, I guess, to somebody else in high school who wrote a little better and better. And just it kept going on. Essentially, the the ladder that everybody talks about just kept. I just was intrigued that somebody knew a little more about graffiti each time I met somebody. And that's you how know, I started. So, in the 90s, I guess, when I first like really started taking it seriously around 93, 94, uh, you know, two years in, about that time there was a lot of tag banging going on with the AF and DKs in Portland. Um, so, that was really my intro. I was still like, trying to like, tag it. and I was hoping to piece, but I wasn't even trying to piece yet. And there were definitely like people killing each other. Shootings, you would hear on the news, it was few word of mouth around town. It. it was a pretty crazy time. I know it was happening all up and down the west coast at that time, but definitely, motherfuckers were killing each other over this shit. But for some reason, like, it just kept coming out of me. I just kept having to be doing graffiti. It wasn't ever tag banging to me at the same time. For some other reason, I was carrying a gun at that time. I was a kid. I was some like, stupid shit. From 92, I guess, the beginning of my graffiti career, if you want to call it that. 98, I lived in Portland, essentially, you know, I painted trains regularly, tagging on freeways. What I was fortunate to grow up around in Portland was these two yards called the CD Tunnel and the Franklin Tunnel. They're used now for the MAX line, but as a kid, they were just abandoned tunnels that rode underneath the freeway systems. And for some reason, they were like a mile apart, uh, halfway between downtown Portland and where I lived and where uh, eventually I'd find out a lot of really influential writers came from the neighborhoods that, right around these tunnels. People would just go down there, uh, writers like Jet, Mover, uh, Metro, Spoil, some real Portland guys, Dwell, Fist, Zyre, influential guys in Portland. And I would go down there as a kid, and I wanted to paint, and I would, I would tag a few cans, and you know, paint would run out. You don't want to steal so much, I was gonna be really good at stealing and I wouldn't say I came from a privileged home whatsoever, but I was always taken care of and I was always taught work ethic and my dad always set an amazing example for me and my brother to provide. We always had money me and my brother were always working. So what we would do is we would go to this store from Myers, which was actually located right between these two tunnels, Franklin and C D tunnel. And we would go in there, and instead of stealing paint, we would steal the uh, discount labels. And we would—we got to the point where we did it so often. We knew we could write hashtag 8022 and 0.48 cents. And they would ring 100 cans up for us at 48 cents each. Yeah. We got really, really good at this. We were pulling out cards and cards and cards at a time for years. I never got caught doing it. A friend of mine did, finally, at the end. But we were running this all up and down from Seattle to Portland by paying his kids. That's how we were happening. Well we'd skip school, run down to Fred Myers, get some labels, go fill them out in the parking lot, walk right back in, smack them on the cans, pick up a cart and we walk that shit right down to a fucking tunnel. We paint all day. It was a beautiful place. And that's like my hometown, like what I what I focused on. Definitely my focus led to um, jet style. Jet's like been the cleanest, most efficient, serious hope to emulate. And from 98, you know, I moved up and down the coast a little bit, visited cities, and did a lot of traveling between 92 and 98. Great on trips. 99, uh, Jet moved to Atlanta, and that's when I moved out to Atlanta. I think at one point we were 23 friends deep out there in Atlanta. 23 of my closest friends. We did what we did. And we were kids having fun. and. We had, a, we had a great time out there in Atlanta like minded approach and where we're from and writing styles as for my national influences like uh, not just my hometowns but you know I'm from the west coast so of course it's all uh, I gotta give it up to all MSKs, 7 letter guys LTSs, KFGs definitely my approach to graffiti was I on wanted the billboard or the freeway sign or the bridge kind of like that west coast shit and I tried to put a piece that would look tough and a little more than most people would do. And definitely, like, went out and used ropes to get into spots. And I just tried to do shit a little more dangerous and and a little more tighter was my focus. I don't know if it really, if it worked. I know it definitely didn't work at times. It was fun doing graffiti the way I did it because I would go paint a piece under a bridge or a train, you know. But it wasn't, it was fun. But there's something fucking about, like... Smashing it into a spot full speed you fucking planned out with your bag load and you're ready to get down and you fucking throw that shit up hose that fucking piece down outline that bitch sign off and run there's nothing like that and then you come back take a photo of it, hope it's there maybe you know you started some shit up in the media or you fucking you know the cops were coming or whatever man, there's, but there's no feeling like that and to me like I wanted to paint my name, big, a little better and I just wanted to come back and get that motherfucking photo from my photo album. And I know my shit's going to get buffed. I know my shit's going to get dissed. Done good things for me and bad things for me. And I don't give a fuck. So all I care about is putting put my name up. I wanted that goddamn photo from my photo album. And I got it a lot of times. But a lot of times it cost me a lot of money. You know? cost me friends. cost me jail time. cost me my education. But well, I wouldn't change it for a fucking second. That's cost me goddamn sure. It was fun into like the DC fives from Chicago as a kid. For some reason maybe it was the, um, the magazines or something, but I remember those guys were real fucking dope. Recently, I got the opportunity to go out there for work. I got to go on their art shows, but I felt like a little kid up in their fucking gallery. And like, I knew they were all around. I didn't say that to nobody. Opportunity to buy some of their artwork and I did quietly and but I did freight. I loved freight. I can't say that I was like ever a real Freight guy because I hung out with real Freight dudes, Cha. Uh, Sire, Ecto, those dudes have definitely got the opportunity to be around. It's a whole two-hour-long movie of us bombing Atlanta. The reason the video didn't get released in the beginning was because I was going to give it to all my crew members because it was just to, like show what we were all doing with each other, and like I edited it down on the Mac, and uh, we had a showing in Atlanta with about a hundred people. We had a showing in Portland, and everybody wanted a copy. So I was like in the process of like doing this and getting everybody copies, and then one of the guys was like. Oh, don't worry, I'm going to dub it from him. Um, we're going to start selling them. And I was like, what? And I realized that this motherfucker gets out, chop parts out the motherfucker, because you see me doing, like, big rope spots. You see, like, guys working five deep on a billboard with me. You see, like, all of us face face on. We had a friend who worked at the CNN Center at the time. She got the video, and we gave it to her. She took it in, had lot our faces blurred out on where we were doing anything illegal. So I got both copies blurred and unblurred but at this point it doesn't even matter and a lot of it is like bore so to me uh, I don't want people to capitalize on that and if there's any money to be made off it at any point. Uh, it would have to go to, like, Boris' family. Well, there's an abandoned prison right outside downtown Atlanta. I don't know. I know it's a yard. Or... We got in there. We found it, and it's just one of those exploring things. It's, you go in there, and there's fucking cells. You see it in the whole movie, and there's, like, office, and there's all kinds of shit. We're going in all these cells. We're tagging them. We're writing them. We're just having a fun day. We're we'll doing throw-ups inside the jail, like, Yeah! Or his girlfriend goes into the cell, and I'm like, You ready? You're going to jail. And I fucking slam the jail door on her, and. See, I'd been opening and closing to make sure we're good, because I wanted to do this shot, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I fucking locked her straight up in the motherfucking room, and we're lucky that it was a window. It was a glass window. You'll see it's about probably like eight inches wide. Square window, but it was like two inches thick with fucking acrylic. In the middle of it, there's that mesh fence. I realized Mila locked her in there took off running to find something to break that window in. Everybody else is, is like, are you really locked in there? And they're fucking knocking on the window and trying to talk. And here I come with a big steel pipe. It took me a Bore 45 minutes to break that window down. We both broke the bitch out of prison. It's on video. <laughs> we came out of the prison that day and behind us was a cop car. We're coming out of the abandoned prison right now. We just tagged everything, (laughs) we just broke a bitch out of a cell, it's all on video, we're fucked. But don't look guilty or or he's gonna fucking treat us like we're guilty, so we walked him to the car, waved at him, got in the car and drove away, and he didn't say shit to us, and we just fucking destroyed that whole motherfucker. Like, I was out to fucking be number one. Or if not number one, and like, side by side with number one. I was giving it my motherfucking all. And it lost everything that it fucking was supposed to be. And that it was in the beginning for us. And, you know, like, it's like for His family, like, who didn't understand his graffiti until he died. And then I'm like, then it's me explaining it to him. What what we were up to for years. And how this took him. And, like, you know. And then I felt like I just had to do it for him to keep his legacy alive. And then I... I was just out for number one. Me and Bor started seeing things incorrectly. Went too hard on it and got burned out. I treated a lot of people like shit, and I wish I could take that back. Definitely was one of those fucking assholes in the beginning, you know. Uh, looking back now, like I took graffiti way too seriously at some point, and I think it was after Bor died. I can kind of pinpoint it. I lost the fun in it now. When I'm, I'm in a better place in life, in a special way, I'm still out in the streets, and the struggles of just natural daily life are happening, and so I'll fucking, I need something. Message deleted. End of messages.
2: Vance erased the message promptly, hoping that the weekend would vanish like most of his ex-lovers. He soon realized that vicious human couldn't be erased so easily, nor ever be forgotten. The stench of that weekend still lingers, much of which will never be fully understood.
0: Yucko, H-O-D, calling in for debtor. That guy's my boy. We've been together for since 1998 until now. We still kick it all the time. I uh, consider him a real brother, and I love that guy. guy, guy. Yo, this is Deader. What up, yeah. man? This a gamer. You've been nothing but a best friend and a dirtbag mentor. I love you, dog. dog, dog. This is Adam Stab. H ex-vandals from Baltimore. You know, there's not too many people I'd follow off the edge of a bridge in a heartbeat, and uh, Captain Ray is one of them. Keep it up, son. Y'all My oh boy, Viciously Better, this is uh, Dizzo, H-O-D-S-S. Man, I met that kid back in, like, 98, 99. He had just got to Atlanta, came from the Civic Garden. That's where all the uh, local writers would be, and... Um, I think we ended up painting the next morning. I uh, did a fresh-ass uh, farm piece, and then we just went on from there. That time, tells the story. My super brother, uh, brother-in-charge, motivator, an individual that's always pushing the boundaries on things, and uh, got to look up to
2: him, man. Really, thanks, brother. Love you. Love you. Love you.